The information on this show and all other related materials is not intended to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury and is provided for reference and educational purposes only. Before implementing any information provided, you should seek advice from a licensed medical professional. On the show of St. Louis in Tune, we're going to return to civility and interview also with Dr. Charles Fusner about teeth and dentistry, the word of the day, and some funny, funny things, all on St. Louis in Tune. Well, greetings, listeners in listener land. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, government, health, dentistry, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. We originate from and connect the Gateway City to what is going on in our country regionally, what's going on nationally, and what's going on worldwide. Wow. The world. And the world. The, and I would say soon to be on the moon. And, and we could yeah. do the galactically because yeah. of the uh, – they're not UFOs anymore. What are they? What do they call <laughs> no, them? Uh, they call them something else. Yeah, they're – yes, I did. I, I, yes, I couldn't tell you what it is, but you're right. You're correct. They were, they've been talking about something. They're picking us out in galactic space. Yeah, yeah. So that we're out there somewhere. We are. And they're going to the moon. I guess they're going to go circle it in about two years. Really? Yeah. And then they're going to land, and then they're going to go to Mars, and – I hope I'm around. It, it makes the 1969 landings extremely, mm-hmm. uh, I would say, advanced. Yes. I know we have so much to get to, but my, I was just talking to my kids about the flag they planted on the moon yes. back in the 60s, and we all think it's probably gone by now. Do you think it's gone? I think it's probably no, uh, washed docks? out. You think? Well, yeah. You think it's disintegrated, though? And No. No? No. Okay. I hope they go and find it. I'd like to see it. I think it's there. And, yeah. And my hope is that we find teeth on the moon. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's spoken like oh, a true dentist. That's right. We have so <laughs> many. Have to focus on what we're focused on. Yeah, like a lunar molar or so something like that. So much to know, really. Those wisdom teeth. There's our return coming. to civility. All right. All right. This is for all you folks in Washington, D.C. and Jeff City. Governments are composed of human beings, and all of the frailties that humans possess are absorbed into these governments and become active within these governments. Hatred anger, jealousy, fear, greed, distrust, and the whole host of afflictions that humans must bear lurk just beneath the surface of civility displayed by quote-unquote government. (laughs) There's your potpourri we talked about earlier. Man, I tell you what, sometimes I love it when they say, my esteemed colleague or my wonderful friend from Mm -hmm. this place, Mm -hmm. and then they bash him on Twitter or whatever. And they go after him. Yep, yep, that's the way. (laughs) Okay. Well, we're not going to bash our guests. He's just a great guy. I've known him for, I can't remember how long, probably going on, let's see, I can tell you how long. I'm going on maybe 13 years. Mm. No, no, 15, 16 years, 16 years. And he is my dentist. (laughs) He's your dentist? He's Dr. Charles Fusner, and Mm. he has a dental practice out in what would be called, most people would call it Kirkwood, but I think it's Oakland. That's correct. Mm. And uh, out by... uh, 44, huh. and or if you're from South City, Farty Far, and mm-hmm. uh, Big Bend. Right. And he also is the Associate Professor of Comprehensive Care at the A.T. Still University, which is the Missouri School of Dental and Oral Health. It's the new, new chops in town because mm-hmm. WashU and SLU don't have a dental program at a dental school. So That's just strange That's to me. Yep. That's strange to me. Chuck, welcome to St. Louis yeah. in Tune. Thanks, Arnold. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you for having me. So I always gather information on guests, and I didn't know you had a bachelor's in biology, but also a bachelor's in mechanical engineering. Oh. Yes. I was a double major at WashU. I was like, 
okay, turn mechanical engineering into dentistry for me. <laughs> well, it's very easy, and that was my backup plan also if I did not get accepted into dental school because it was hard to get into medical and dental school then, just like it is now, and most people are encouraged to have a backup plan. But I also now am very happy that I chose that route because a lot of dentistry is engineering. It's microengineering, and the same structural engineering principles that are applied to building office buildings or houses or roads or bridges are applicable to dentistry as well. So a dental bridge would be just like a uh, bridge over troubled waters you know, or something like that. Here we go. Yeah, okay. it's starting, isn't it? Is, it? Yeah. yeah, it's very early in the show to have that happen. <laughs> it's okay, though, but uh, sadly, you're right. So uh, yeah. when someone sadly. goes to dental school, is it four years, six years, eight years? How long is that? Yeah, a- almost all dental schools are four years. There still is two dental schools of the 66 dental schools that – are spread across the fluted, the fruited plains that are three-year programs, and there's one that is a five-year program. Wow! But most of them are four. Okay. Okay. Wow. And uh, as we've talked, and I've sat in the chair many times, looking mm-hmm. up at you, you've got the goggles on, you got the mask on, and mm-hmm. and the gloves on, and everything like that. He's got a hazmat suit on when he <laughs> works on you. And you know what's interesting, and when we talked about this, Mark. Chuck and I talked about this, is dentists were more prepared for COVID than really any other medical professional group because they had already been Mm -hmm. uh, geared up for that because of HIV and other kinds of things. Am I barking up the wrong tree there? No, you're absolutely right. Back during the height of the AIDS epidemic, if you will, in the 1980s, there were some significant thoughts Put into how to protect not only yourself as a dentist and your staff, but also patients. And many of those are applicable to today. We were a step ahead of it because we were already thinking in that direction. Hmm. Now let's talk briefly, because I know we're only going to be going on for an hour here, but we can explore this maybe later on in depth. But when does a baby need to come to see you, the hmm. dentist? Are they a toddler or when teeth first come in? What's the point for young mothers out there who have never experienced this before? That's a great question, and I get that asked to me quite frequently, and we see a lot of kids in our practice. And it's interesting because there's actually two conflicting theories on this. Mm -hmm. If you ask the Pediatric Specialty Association of Dentistry or the American Association of Pediatric Dentists, essentially the dentists who are trained to teach or to treat kids in complex issues, they have a position statement that says that a child should come in to see the dentist when they get their very first tooth. Oh. In many cases, that is within a matter of a few months after the uh, child is born. Now, I don't know if these people who wrote this policy ever had kids of their own, <laughs> but if they did, they would realize that's more being like a veterinarian than a dentist. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're trying to treat a living creature at this point that cannot respond to commands right. or accept instructions. My theory is, and what we were taught at WashU, and I found it that it worked pretty well, is that the goal is that you want to have one good checkup and cleaning in for your kid before they start kindergarten. If the first time you bring that child in to have their teeth cleaned or x-rays taken or to have their teeth checked, if the first time the parents would bring that child in would be when they are 
five years old or five and a half, they might be apprehensive. So we have a program where we start them early. We usually try to bring them in about three and a half to Mm. four. Mm. We have them come in with their parent and watch their mom or their dad get their teeth cleaned, Mm -hmm. and we set them up. They can color in the corner. They can actually watch TV or cartoons. They can get involved as little or as much as they want, but you know they're they're watching this. Mm -hmm. And then if it's going well, we say, hey, do you want to have one of your teeth polished, or can we count your teeth? And sometimes they they do, sometimes they don't. Then six months later, we do it again. Hmm. Usually after a couple of visits, from a psychological standpoint, the right. child is acclimated to the office, and they'll start letting you do things. Right. And after about the fourth visit of that, we're really accomplishing quite a bit. I like that. And i got to tell you, mm-hmm. it seems to work with a lot I of bet. general dentists. I bet. And I'm not so sure that the pediatric dentists don't do the same but their official position statement is that the child ought to be checked as soon as they get their first tooth. Yeah, yeah, that's really a great way to do that to oh, introduce yeah. kids to a, a comfortable <laughs> relationship right. with the dentist. Because you know? right. for some people, still, it's just a traumatic kind oh. of thing. Well, sure, and you don't know what kind of anecdotal stories they've been told by a grandparent right. uh, or their own parents. Oh, this is a horrible thing, or the dentist is a mean guy. They set the stage for disaster. Mm. They plant the seed. But if we can bring them in early and we just spoon feed them a little at a time, right. usually by the time they're right before kindergarten, mm-hmm. we can get x-rays. We can do a very thorough cleaning on them. And even if we don't, we don't force anything on them. You don't want to alienate the right. child and create right. a psychological negativity that can then play out for decades i've never seen anybody go off to college yet that won't let me clean their teeth yeah Yeah, but if we start pushing it too early (laughs) sometimes it might take till their first grade or second sure but but i i rarely bring anybody in before the age of three Mm -hmm. Uh, even at three and a half they have to be cooperative with the pediatrician or we probably won't get anything done we just prop them up and let them look yep that's a question I ask. How does your child do at the pediatrician? Are they cooperative? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they are, we might be able to, to extract more success from that visit than we would be if they say, oh, he's terrible. He's just bad. Oh. But you don't want to force anything no. on the child because the objective is you want to make sure that they get good dental care. And if you alienate a child early mm-hmm. or you create a psychological obstacle, right. Right. it might take 10 right. positive experiences to overturn that mm-hmm. over the next 20 years. Right. Now, the exception is if they have an issue. If the mother looks in the mouth and sees dark cavities or has been put to bed with a baby bottle and they might have dental caries at a young age, baby mm-hmm. bottle syndrome is what that's called, mm-hmm. and they've read about it or they've mm-hmm. Googled something, we got to do what we have to do. And we'll often, and you remember when I was over at St. Joseph Hospital, we would often take the children into the operating room then at age three or four and uh, and have them put to sleep and get their dental work done that way. They don't even remember anything bad's happened to oh, them. Oh, my. It's a great way to do yeah, it. Yeah, a great way to do it, yeah. Is that from having a baby bottle? Is that what causes that? Yeah, it's interesting because there's a lot of urban myths out there that that encourage a parent to put their child to bed at night either with a bottle mm-hmm. into advanced age into right. age two or three mm-hmm. or at some point switch it over to kool-aid or mm-hmm. some kind wow. of high sugar containing sure. fluidic mm-hmm. material yeah and this will actually decay their teeth in a matter of 12 months wow so if they have to be put to bed with something at all you just want to use water oh, yeah. which has it's very benign or wean them away they really don't need that or a bippy because right. a bippy can start yeah. causing craniofacial growth disturbances. Right. Wow. Right. Wow. There we are. 
this is something. It is. Yeah. <laughs> this is good stuff. I wish I had known this when I was <laughs> starting up with my kids. Yeah. We're talking to Charles Fusner. He's a dentist, DMD. We're going to talk about that in a second here. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis in Tunes. DMD, Doctor of Medical Dentistry. Yeah, exactly. The degree is actually written in Latin, so for all the Latin scholars out there, it would be Doctoris Medicalis Dentatus, as opposed okay. to a DDS degree, right. which is the old classic Doctor of Dental Surgery. Okay. There's only four schools in the country that still award DDS degrees. Back in the 1970s, there was a big push hmm. to change a lot of degrees mm -hmm. to become more akin to the entire profession of medicine, mm -hmm. and that we would just be a subspecialty of that. And the big push at Wash U was to do that, so we changed to DMD degrees to be more like our friends and the physicians, or like we like to call them the real doctors, the MDs, sensing a little tension there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but University of Missouri-Kansas City still produces the DDS degree. Okay. So you'll see a lot of people in St. Louis with DDSs, and they're all coming out of UMKC. Gotcha. But everything else, the Alton School, Wash U, our school, all the schools in the surrounding states, they're DMD degrees. Now, make sure you it's clear there's no difference in the education. You have the capability as a dental school to award whatever degree you want. Okay. Same reason some schools award an, a Bachelor of Arts, some schools award an AB. Mm -hmm. Or Bachelor's of Science. Or Bachelor of Science. Yeah. It's basically the same thing. Right, right. It's terminology. It's right. a long answer, but... No, that's good. We talked earlier, before we were talking about the DMD, about youngsters... Scope us through, because you mentioned kids before they go to college need to get their teeth cleaned. Scope us through like the teenage years or like preteen years, and then as a college student gets a job and becomes an adult, and then they're going through life, and then older folks like uh -huh. you know, some people that we know, um, how they can, their teeth changes and things like that, can, that they need to look at. Can about. I throw a question in there too when yeah. you start answering <laughs> this thing with wisdom teeth? If they're in good shape, do I pull them? Do I keep them? Yeah, good I, that, question. Yeah, it is. We're struggling with it with one of our kids right now. We've had one that's had them pulled, one that hasn't had them pulled. They're hard to clean. I, what, where do you? Let's start with that one first, okay. because that is something that every general dentist faces on a daily basis, mm -hmm. multiple times a day. You have a, a person come in. Most of them are in high school. Most of this them is, are approaching college age, right. and you have to ask yourself the question, should we recommend as a general dentist mm -hmm. and as the gatekeeper to the health of this patient, should we recommend to the parents that the wisdom teeth in this youth be taken out? And What, what you said. What are the criteria? <laughs> right. And there's a whole course. It's interesting you mentioned this because there's a whole course at the dental school where I teach, and I teach this course as to look looking for the identifiers that would give you clues. Hmm. Now, I'll answer first by saying that statistically, mm -hmm. nine out of ten people do not have enough room for wisdom teeth to come in. Wow. So nine out of ten people will have wow. teeth that are impacted, start to hurt, wow. become swollen, become pathologic, and usually pain or discomfort will trigger the need for removal. Wow. If you are one of the lucky one out of 10 where the tooth doesn't hurt mm -hmm. and it actually will come in all the way mm -hmm. into your mouth, the statistics prove out that only one out of those 10 actually keep those wisdom teeth for the next 80 years of their life. Something will go wrong with that tooth that will trigger hmm. the need for it re 
to be removed. Mm -hmm. Either cavities forming in the back because it's too hard to clean, or structurally the tooth will break. Mm -hmm. So there are there's one philosophy that says every wisdom tooth is bad. They all need to go. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily subscribe to that, although I lean more that way than I do the other way. Mm -hmm. But if you are seeing signs, and without having to, I don't want to bore the listeners by going through the whole course of what all the signs are that would trigger the need to make the recommendation to remove the wisdom mm -hmm. teeth. But if we see the signs, our goal is to try to get those out before they leave for college. Because if you wait too long and an infection would occur, mm -hmm. number one, it's hard to deal with it when you're in Auburn, Alabama, or when you're in uh, <laughs> Madison, Wisconsin, right. or at one of the schools. Number two, if it happens the night before a final exam and you mm -hmm. get infected, oh. you got a mess on your hands. Right. And number three, if it exacerbates or it worsens to the point of infection, you can now cause damage to the tooth in front of it, and you could actually have a bad tooth, a wisdom tooth, take out a good tooth. Mm -hmm. But if you get these teeth taken out when they're 16 or 17, you're gonna eliminate that 99% of the time. You just look like a chipmunk. Great to know. Yeah, it's not hard again to list, make a list of 10 things you'd rather do than have mm. the wisdom teeth taken yeah. out. Yeah. But it is kind of a rite of passing. Right, right, right. I had mine taken out in my 20s, it was rough. You know, yeah, was, the older you get, you're right. It's like tonsils. Yeah. The older you get, the more you're going to hurt. So that's the other thing, too. You don't want to wait till a person's in their 30s and 40s no. and then all of a sudden realize you have to take these wisdom teeth right. out because you've set the person up for a post-procedural recovery that mm -hmm. can be really bad. They yeah. could miss two weeks of work. They could be right. swollen. It, right. It's bad. So generically speaking, if you've been advised to have your child's wisdom teeth taken out, you're probably – getting accurate advice without even having to look at an x-ray just because of the statistical numbers. Right, wow. But the only way you'll know is to look at the x-ray. And I'll tell you, if you're confronted with that out there, and this is good for the listeners, ask the dentist to say, why should the wisdom teeth be taken out? Show me the x-ray mm. and give me the criteria uh -huh. why you're recommending this because it is surgery, it's invasive, you've gotta go see an oral surgeon, you have to right. be sedated. Right. But what are the criteria? And most dentists who have credibility will be happy to stop and just mm -hmm. just uh, show you why. Mm -hmm. wow. I think mine were going in sideways. <laughs> they were kind of like this yeah. angle and that this angle, angle and, and just all sorts of angles. My mouth's not very large. No. To okay. support those. I know. I'm just glad you got that snaggle tooth fixed. Yeah. No. <laughs> what snaggle tooth? Here? What are we doing? Here? <laughs> okay. The I'm kidding. Moving through from toddler all oh. the way up to older adults, what are some things, some markers that people need to be aware of, do you think? Good question. And question number one, or point number one, is to watch the development of a child's dentition and the eruption pattern. It's called the eruption sequence. We know that we have 20 baby teeth, and those 20 baby teeth are going to be followed by 20 permanent teeth, and then some. These teeth have a sequence that they come in certain years of life. For example, you'll see the first of the baby teeth loosen up when a child is often in first grade or second grade, and then the permanent teeth will start to grow in behind it. We have permanent molars in the back, six-year, 12-year, and then the wisdom teeth, or the 18-year molars. These have textbook ideals and textbook average normals. And if a child starts to stray off that normal, the general mm -hmm. dentist or the pediatric dentist mm -hmm. needs to spot that and start anticipating 
what the corrective measures may be so that number one the child doesn't end up with a jumbled mess of teeth mm-hmm. what can be pat which can be pathologic to the teeth it can induce fractures cracks decay gum disease the whole nine yards but also mm-hmm. it will cause cranial facial anomalies mm-hmm. the child will actually have a different look to their face mm-hmm. or to their cheeks or oh. to their chin if it's not corrected so step one we start monitoring that usually about the age of five okay. we can see that on the child's first visit where we can get in and take a good look if we suspect space problems or a lack of space problem then we can start making plans for it <laughs> now you also have other issues too you can have other cranial facial anomalies you could be in a in in a, a bulldog type jaw look mm. and you can see those those are just genetic it's the mm. cards you were dealt yeah. but if you start seeing those early the sooner you can correct a crossbite is mm-hmm. what it's called like overbite and underbite overbite underbite mm-hmm. this would be a huge underbite mm-hmm. sooner you can correct that the better the child's growth pattern is going to be so you watch that for the first few years okay. and then somewhere around the age of eight or nine you make some kind of prediction and if you need help making that prediction we can send the child to an orthodontist Mm -hmm. for a second opinion and have various growth charts made and they can start plotting growth curves. They go to the orthodontist every year, he does an image of it, you can actually see the child growing on the x-rays and you can start calculating that out and then you can determine if there is some kind of space issue, what would be the best time to put braces on the teeth. Mm. But that is at the top of the list. So if we are actually trying to devise some kind of game plan for a child and we say what are our goals we're trying to accomplish what's our what's our strategy to make sure this child has the best chance at a healthy life that's at the top of the list and then there's a couple others too number two is looking at the deep grooves that are in the top parts of the teeth especially the permanent teeth and if they're very deep grooves you want to get that child in sealants dental sealants mm. is like the polio vaccine for dentistry wow really. good if to you know. can put a sealant on a tooth a back tooth when the child is eight mm. nine ten years old or essentially whenever it grows in you get your hands on it you've now reduced the risk that, that child's going to develop a cavity in that tooth by 99 percent mm. and sealants are like painting the wood on the outside of your house if you seal a tooth it, then just like if you paint the wood on the on the outside of your house, the wood won't rot. Right. And the sealants will wear off after 10 years, and then you just reseal them. We've got many people being sealed well into their adulthood because they have deep grooves and they have mm. no cavities. Now, once you get the first cavity there, once you fill the tooth, it's not eligible for a sealant. The horse is already out of the barn. I could have used that when oh, I was young. Yeah. But we, you, we didn't have it. No. Sealants came along in the 1980s, and, and fortunately, I practice in an area where the parents are very receptive to suggestions and I'll say here's something we can do to swing the the odds way into your favor that your child will never develop a cavity and it's paid for by insurance yeah yeah we're gonna come back in a little bit I want to re reiterate what our guest is saying we're talking to Charles Fusner he's a dentist in Oakland not California folks it's out in a suburb of St. Louis <laughs> County near Kirkwood wow. and he also is an associate professor at AT Steel University and he's here to talk to us about all things dentistry and what's going on with your teeth we've been talking about what 
parents need to be looking for or as you are watching your kids grow and as you grow and get older, what you can do and talk to your dentist about. So we're to point number two about as it relates to youngsters who are like anywhere between eight and maybe I guess with 12. Yes. And when we come back from our break, we're going we're gonna to pick that up, get more points. We want to talk about how dentistry for older adults changes, mm-hmm. and there's things to consider there. We're going to talk about mouthwash. We're going to talk about toothbrush, mm-hmm. fluoride, all those kinds of things. So Whiteners. we'll be right back for our next segment. You're listening to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston on the U.S. Radio Network. This is Arnold Stricker of St. Louis in Tune on behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation. In 1857, the Dred Scott decision was a major legal event and catalyst that contributed to the Civil War. The decision declared that Dred Scott could not be free because he was not a citizen. The 14th Amendment, also called the Dred Scott Amendment, granted citizenship to all born or naturalized here in our country and was intended to overturn the U.S. Supreme Court decision on July 9, 1868. The Dred Scott Heritage Foundation is requesting a commemorative stamp to be issued from the U.S. Postal Service to recognize and remember the heritage of this amendment by issuing a stamp with the likeness of the man Dred Scott. But we need your support and the support of thousands of people who would like to see this happen. To achieve this goal, we ask you to download, sign, and share the one-page petition with others. To find the petition, please go to dredscottlives.org and click on the Dred Scott Petition Drive on the right side of the page. On behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation, this has been Arnold Stricker of St. Louis In Tune. St. Louis In Tune strives to bring you informative, useful, and reflective stories and interviews about current and historic issues and events that involve people, places, and things. Our topics cover a wide range, such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and even sports. And that's just to name a few. While St. Louis In Tune originates from the Gateway City and covers local topics, we connect to what is going on nationally as well. If you enjoy what you hear, please take time and like and share and subscribe to this show and listen to other previous shows that can be found on our website, STL. Intune.com. That's STLintune.com. Or on your favorite podcast platform. That's STLintune.com. STLintune.com. And if you've got an idea that you'd like for us to examine a little deeper, let us know by dropping us a note at STLintune at gmail.com. That's STLintune at gmail.com. St. Louis in Tune, heard Monday through Friday on the USRadioNetwork.com and many great radio stations around the U.S. and, of course, right here in St. Louis. Our website, again, is STLIntune.com. We want to hear from you. STLIntune.com. Welcome back to St. Louis in Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. We are talking all things dentistry with Charles Fusner. He's a dentist in Oakland, Missouri, a.k.a. Kirkwood, Missouri, for all of you out there in St. Louis County. He also is Associate Professor of Comprehensive Care at A.T. Steele University, and that is the Missouri School of Dentistry and Oral Health. And prior to the break, we were talking about three things that parents need to be clued into. One is the growth eruption or spacing of the teeth. The second was sealants, which prevent cavities. And now we're going to talk about point number three, which is the cavity-prone years. Mm. Yes, that's right. I went through that and got you're lots of cavities. You're still going through it. Yeah. No, well, it's all fake teeth now. I know. <laughs> Most of us do go through the cavity-prone years 
even with fluoride in the drinking water, mm -hmm. the most susceptible point for dental tooth decay in anyone's life is between the age of about 12 and 18. And the reason is puberty. The hormonal changes that occur in the human really? body at that point change the consistency of the saliva. And the saliva, just like oil in a car, wow. is your best friend. And if it's a favorable salivary chemistry, it can actually keep your decay rate down very minimally. But it changes when someone goes through puberty and it becomes very acidic. You combine that with the fact that about that age, children start to become rebellious. Mm -hmm. They're not responding to commands from their parents, such as, hey, go brush your teeth. Or floss they're, your teeth. They're going to they're gonna tell the parent, no, yeah. I'm not going to do it. And you combine a couple of those things together with the newfound independence that kids start having at that point. And from a dental perspective, that's when you see most of the cavities. Back in the 1960s, Crest and, and Procter and & Gamble actually used to call that, they, they dubbed that, they put a moniker to it and called it the cavity-prone years. Mm -hmm. Buy my toothpaste because it helps offset the effects of the cavity-prone years, which are between the age of 12 and 18. Now, you could expand on that by saying once you get off to college, things don't get better. No. I, I was a Sigma Nu when I was at Wash U. <laughs> I think one of the, the fraternity policies is they didn't even allow toothbrushes in the fraternity house. That's not allowed when you get to college. But, it, but the point of deterioration occurs in that range of uh, that age range. And look back at all of you mm -hmm. yourselves. When did you start getting your first cavities? Right. Uh, Seventy percent of the people will get them between the age of about twelve and eighteen, and that's mm -hmm. the very first cavity. So the question is, if we prevent that cavity from forming before a kid hits the age of 20, wow, will that ever give them a lifetime advantage? Because once you get that first cavity, mm. you're playing catch up. Right. Teeth weaken, 30, 40 years later, they'll start breaking. Yes. Cavity, the fillings will leak after a while, nothing lasts forever, Been it's there. a spiral downhill. And people often ask me that, where did I go wrong? Mm -hmm. This might be a 50 year old, because I'm getting all these dental issues. And the answer, somewhat sarcastically, I guess, would be, don't let that first cavity form when you're 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And sealants are one of the tools we can use. Fluorides are another one. Frequent cleanings. We will see kids come in and they are so grungy. Mm. They don't know which end of the toothbrush works. <laughs> and you just want to <laughs> shake them. And we will often tell the parent, look, your child's not brushing very effectively. There. Look at all the stuff on your teeth. And they'll say, well, I can't do anything with him. I tell him to go brush it. And the answer to that is come in more frequently. We'll have them come in three times a year to clean their teeth. Yeah. It's a small period of time. If you can do that at least for three or four years, it's often what it takes to prevent cavities. Doctor, so that covers your youth. They well, never, never taught me how to brush my teeth correctly, up and down. I was always going left and right instead of going with the grain, I guess. Is that what you call it? That's a good metaphor, yeah. good analogy. Yeah. So, yeah, so, I've, so uh, for years I was going back and forth and back and forth, which is okay, I guess, a little bit. But you should go up and down. With a manual brush, yes. Yeah. But I'll tell you, so much of the brushes now are what's called power brushes. Uh -huh. They spin or they mm -hmm. make the strokes for you. Right. And all you have to do is guide it across the tooth surface, and it will do the work for you. It's the penultimate in American laziness. So you prefer You can't that. even get exercise brushing teeth now. Yeah. So you prefer that. You prefer those. Oh, our mission is to get everybody converted to power brushes. Okay. And right. I love those, and I'm, I, I agree with you, Mark, because... My, my whole family does it but me. I'm the old guy. I used to brush this way, and I ended up 
I tore my gums, and mm-hmm. I, my gums are receding on certain teeth, mm-hmm. and then they reveal part of your root, and then it creates another problem. It's right. a spiral downhill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, but it's self-limiting because a toothbrush is only so wide. Right. So you're only going to do so much damage, but it can be right. significant. I'll be darned. It can be meaningful. All right. So i got to get, get an electric get the, toothbrush you know, or to get battery-operated toothbrush yeah. or whatever they call them. Power yeah. brush. Power of any brush. kind. Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll do a sh- shameless plug for Oral-B. Okay. Shameless. <laughs> 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 Okay. So we're getting older now. We've gotten I'm, out of college. We're uh, working now. I we're, feel we're, like I'm in we're, trouble. <laughs> we're going to go out on dates. We think we need to use mouthwash oh. to freshen our breath mm-hmm. or certain kinds of toothpaste to maybe I have a, a sensitive tooth, so I need that certain kind of sensitive toothpaste to numb it up or a little bit. Or Are these things any good? Let's go to mouthwash first. And mouthwash is a huge profit maker for companies that make it and everybody's got their own special recipe and special formula they almost all have as their base alcohol Mm -hmm. which theoretically will kill bacteria listerine kills more bacteria on contact dentists recommend more dentists recommend listerine nothing further from the truth but because advertisements don't fall into the category of the federal they fall into the category of the federal trade commission and not the Food and Drug Administration, which uh-huh. regulates drugs, they can do. They can make any claims they want. Mouthwash does not give you any therapeutic benefits past a certain point, and that point is usually about three or four days. It might make your breath taste better. Mm-hmm. It might make your mouth feel in a condition that you want it to feel for whatever reason, but it really has no therapeutic effects. If we have somebody who's got dental disease, particularly periodontal disease, they haven't had their teeth cleaned for 10 years, for example, and they've got gum disease, we will put them on a series of rinses specifically targeted to kill bacteria, Hmm. just like if you took an antibiotic, Mm -hmm. amoxicillin or penicillin. Mm -hmm. But like everything, if you use it too long, you'll build up resistant bacteria. So we might put them on on scope for two weeks. Then we move them to saltwater rinses for two weeks. Mm. Then we might move them to a prescription mouthwash called chlorhexidine for two weeks. Then we might move them to Listerine for two weeks. We're alternating the regimens Mm. over a period of three months. That's therapeutic. But if you just pick up Listerine and use it every day for 40 years, you're going to end up having no therapeutic effect. You're actually going to breed out the nastiest, meanest bacteria that are in there. And number three, you're going to dry out your mouth because the alcohol will desiccate you, and you'll have a dry tongue and dry cheeks, and you won't know what caused that. Mm. This is not emphasized enough, by the way, with dentists. Yeah, and that's one reason I was talking about this. Saliva has bacteria in it as part of your chewing process. Official bacteria. Right, right. So how about gum, like chewing gum? That's because that should stimulate saliva, correct? Or Absolutely. Chewing of anything will actually stimulate saliva. And, in fact, back in the Wild West, you go to Dodge City in the 1800s, if it was a drought and you didn't have enough water out of the well or the cistern, the trick was to put a little pebble in your mouth. Hmm. Because if you just leave that in there, it will trigger saliva. Hmm. But gum only works effectively if it doesn't have a high sugar content in it. If you get good old-fashioned Wrigley Spearmint gum or Juicy Fruit or any of these gums that have high sugar contents, it'll rot your teeth. Mm. Now, by contrast, if you get a gum that is sugarless or one with the product called Xylitol, Mm -hmm. which is X-Y-L-I-T-O-L, Xylitol Mm. will actually kill bacteria too, Mm. not by killing them like an antibiotic would or 
Lysol spray would. It kills them by starving it. The bacteria latch onto that thinking it's a sugar and they can't digest it. <laughs> but the gum itself, now separate what's in the gum from just the gum. Uh-huh. That will help clean your teeth. Wow. Because it latches a hold of any food particles that are on your teeth. Yeah. And it will extract them or pull them off of the tooth, leaving your teeth cleaner microscopically so gum chewing will keep your teeth cleaner and the old the first person who stumbled on that was dentine Hmm. no sugar yeah very high stickiness content Mm -hmm. and they've done research over the years your teeth will be a little cleaner than when you do it it doesn't substitute for brushing right but if you're out at lunch and you don't have a toothbrush it's good there you go there you go wow so we've gone on these dates we've gotten married we've gone through midlife crisis and we're getting older, what do we need to pay attention to? <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> well, look, as we all add on the birthdays, things in the whole body don't work as well as they used to. Hmm. We're not as bulletproof as we used to be. And the part of that that translates to the teeth has to do with two things. Number one, our saliva diminishes. Hmm. And that starts every year starting at about the age of 50. We will dry up. Our eyes do it too. It just happens. We can't put out as much sweat when we're outside, so we've got to be careful working out in the yard. And that can start a boost in your decay rate. In fact, it was dubbed in the dental textbooks as it was called senile caries. Caries is the medical term for tooth decay. And because you see it in somebody in their 70s or their 80s, and it's because the saliva will dry out. And then the second thing that happens as we add on the birthdays is our teeth become structurally weak. We'll start to see cracks form. You can actually sometimes patients will be looking in a mirror and in a certain angle of the light they'll see little vertical cracks. Panic and they come in and they say what's going on? And it's true. Our teeth will start to structurally weaken as we get older. And this is starting to play out now because we've got whole generations of people that are not only living into their 80s now mm-hmm. or 90s, which we didn't have in 1960 mm-hmm. or 70, but these same people are now keeping their teeth into their 80s and their 90s. Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of maladies that we're seeing that we didn't know about literally 40 years ago because we didn't have enough statistics on it to really calculate this out. Mm-hmm. Many people by the time, if you go back to 1980, Many people who were 80 years old, if they lived that long, probably had dentures. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, gosh, when I got out of dental school, I was making eight dentures a month. Wow. I graduated from dental school in 1981, and I bet I haven't made eight dentures in the last five years. Because people you. are just not needing them. They're doing root canals and crowns and or implants? Implants. <sighs> Periodontal therapy is coming on. We've got ways to chemically treat tooth decay now. Mm. And even at the dental school, um, th- there's not that many dentures being done because people are saving their teeth. Now, you made a great illustration. I like that. Uh, one time when I was visiting you. And by the way, this is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis in Tune. We're talking to uh, Charles Fusner. Dr. Dr. Charles Fusner. He's my personal dentist. Uh oh. And he's a great guy. He's a great dentist, too. Chewing, I should say, crunching ice or chewing hard candy, Mm. things like that. And your illustration involved an ice cube. Well, the ice cube's at the top of the list, but you're right. There are certain things, especially once we get to a certain age because we know that there's a certain percent of cracks in those teeth that you need to stay away from. And one of them is the very hard candies, the jawbreakers, or you can paint whatever picture you want of that. We've all chomped on really hard cavities. But the other two that are on the list 
are popcorn and ice. Oh, popcorn is not good. Got it. <laughs> got it. For two reasons. Okay. Number one, those little kernels hide in there, and if you bite down yeah. on it just the wrong way or just right. the right way, mm-hmm. you'll break a tooth. I we bet. see that several times a month. I bet. But the real one is ice. When you look at an ice cube that you've frozen, take a good look at it the next time you take it out of the ice tray. Mm-hmm. That ice cube has little air bubbles trapped in it. Mm-hmm. You can see those air bubbles. And just like a lift in a filling station that lifts your car, a hydraulic lift to raise your car so the mechanic can work on it underneath it, you have a small pipe and a big pipe, and it's simple physics. You put a certain amount of pressure on that ice cube, and that air bubble will compress, and it will push back in sometimes 10 times the force that you've bitten on it. So if you're biting in at 50 pounds per square inch pressure, it will push back at 500. Wow. And more people break teeth chewing ice than anything else. Holy It smokes. is, and that's one of the things I was glad I took mechanical engineering on because yeah. I remember seeing about hydraulic lifts in right. garages. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what does it take with this hydraulic fluid to lift a car? Yeah. But it's a perfect analogy for teeth and ice. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could take away one thing from anybody, it would be ice. Mm-hmm. And there are many people chew ice. It's a habit. And like yeah. a lot of habits we humans are funny creatures and we develop some odd habits yeah, i remember you said you got yeah. a you got a block of ice and you take a hammer and hit it and it develops all these little mm-hmm. cracks that's what happens with a tooth that's exactly right yeah and that's another ice analogy yeah and i again a lot of people don't remember the days of block ice right. you go down to the ice house and buy a big block of ice but if you hit that with a hammer it wouldn't necessarily break in half but it wouldn't be clear and you could see through it anymore because it gets frosted windshields do that on cars we've all seen windshields right. that have been in an accident and it's just absolutely frosted mm-hmm. you can't mm-hmm. see through it um but right. a windshield's two-dimensional for all practical purposes a tooth is three-dimensional so those cracks start running in every direction up down left right there you are, Mark. No ice. <laughs> Darn it. Okay, so let's talk about diet. Diet and how diet can enhance or detract from good oral health. Absolutely. Uh, there's some myths out there about diet, but there are also some things that are very real. The number one concern with diet is carbohydrates. If you go into certain countries that have less means, or if you go in and look in certain very primitive areas in the world there's no tooth decay and the reason is there's no sugar Hmm. they eat Hmm. very basic things a lot of grains Mm -hmm. but if you have a high carbohydrate intake you're going to increase your chance of developing tooth decay almost exponentially with everything you eat and we see this often we'll see People go in to work. You see it all the time down at Southwestern Bell here in St. Louis or Anheuser-Busch. And a, a clerical worker would come in or some executive, and the first thing they do is they set out a, a six-pack of Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah. And every hour you hear the, you know, the opening, and they're drinking six Coca-Colas a day, not diet. This is high fructose, high carbohydrate. <clears throat> Within 10, 15 years, they will oh, decay their teeth away, oh, yeah. almost like the baby bottle syndrome. Right. So step one, watch your carbohydrate intake. And carbohydrates will chemically process and refine from anything you eat. Potatoes, bread, right. alcoholic products. And I kind of kid people <laughs> when somebody asks me, how often should I brush my teeth? Yeah. And my answer is, 
brush within 15 minutes after you eat anything. Wow. And if you do, you will get that carbohydrate pellicle is what it's called, or the sticky glue. Spill a Coke and watch it dry. Oh, yeah. Sticky. Uh But that will stick to your teeth also. You want to get that off the tooth so that it doesn't act like Velcro Mm -hmm. and attach food products from your next meal. Mm -hmm. And it's not too much to brush five, six times a day if you need to. We're seeing people now go into offices and they'll have a manual toothbrush. Mm -hmm. They don't even need toothpaste. After lunch, they just dip it in water and brush. It is a great thing. That works? You want to get that stuff off your teeth. That works. You don't even need toothpaste. It's, It's just the brush. Okay. So carbohydrates, number one. Minimize your carbohydrate intake, and if you do take on carbohydrates, try to get it off the tooth just as fast as you can. Number two, there's myths in there. For example, if you drink more milk, your teeth will get stronger, and that just isn't true. Milk only helps you when the tooth is buried in the gums, developing up to the age of about 10. Mm -hmm. You can drink all the milk you want, after the age of 10, it doesn't do you any good. Hmm. So you'll see women who've had a child and they hear anecdotal stories that, oh, my grandmother lost a tooth for every child because the child sucked calcium out of the teeth when the baby was forming out of my bones mm-hmm. and it's putting it into the child's teeth. That just isn't true either. It's static at that point. The only thing that'll take calcium out of the tooth is acids from bacteria. Hmm. And you can't put it back if it is gone. You can remineralize with fluorides, wow. but you can't put it back. So milk doesn't really help. So people who consume certain things with the belief that it'll actually take a weakened tooth and make it stronger, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So you can't make a weak tooth stronger. Not with food products. Okay. You can take a weak tooth and make it weaker by doing the wrong things. Right. And that's why we focus on the wrong things first. Right. Now, do some people need to be, like if they have an earache, that maybe there's a tooth issue going on? or Great question. I always thought that the problems with my teeth might affect my health. You know, yeah. So. Well, yes and yes okay. are the answers to those. If you have an abscessed tooth or a pathological tooth, a sick tooth mm-hmm. in layman's terms, and it is in certain geographic areas of the mouth, it can make your ear hurt. It can make the whole side of your head hurt. Mm-hmm. And it is the molars in the back, top and bottom. If you have an abscessed lower tooth or a fractured lower tooth, mm-hmm. it can spread up into your ear, into your temple. But most people will say, I've just had this earache. Mm-hmm. And it's inflammatory, just like arthritis. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily an infection even. It's just mm-hmm. inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Your question, which was kind of an interesting spin on it, and I can't remember what it was now. Well, can it make you sick? Exactly. Can, bad, can teeth? bad teeth make you sick? Right. And the answer is absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get extreme views. There are alternative Chinese medicine physicians who associate each tooth with an organ in the body. Mm. If you have liver problems, take this tooth out and extract it. It'll make your liver get better. But yes, dental disease can become systemic. And at the top of the list is inflammation of the coronary arteries from either excessive cavities or even worse, untreated gum disease. Mm. And Mm. there are people who are probably on the threshold of having a myocardial event, either a heart attack or an infarct or, God forbid, even cardiac arrest, that probably wouldn't have it if they would have just been going to the dentist and having their teeth cleaned. Mm -hmm. Seriously, what are they swallowing? 
just plaque? They're actually inflammatory markers that swim through the bloodstream, mm -hmm. secondary to the chronic infection, right. and they seed out on the heart mm -hmm. and in the arteries of the heart. And it can start the arteries of the heart. There's YouTube videos on this, and you can see these arteries, instead of just being intact mm -hmm. and fluctuating with each pulse, they actually start to vibrate because of the inflammation, and then that triggers a wow. cardiac episode. Yeah. So you're hearing that all the time. And it's a little bit perhaps over-embellished when you hear people say, you don't want to have a heart attack, make sure you have your teeth cleaned, because right. it's not quite to that extreme either. But I got to tell you, if you have sick There's teeth, something there. it can drag you down. Yeah, well, I believe that. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard that before, too. So um, thank you for <laughs> yeah. explaining it a little deeper. There's a lot to how you really take care of your body, mm -hmm. and I think we we take for granted just being able to chew things, being able to swallow, mm -hmm. and the tongue getting in the way. And people who have missing teeth, for whatever reasons so that they've had them pulled, it really creates it changes your life dramatically. It changes your diet. Mm -hmm. You can bite your tongue very frequently. You can probably elaborate a whole lot more on that. Well, absolutely. You only have to look back at humankind, mankind, if you will, for the last 3,000 years and see the effects of tooth loss and how it all correlated with everything else. Many people dying in their 30s or their 40s. But if you lose your teeth, not only, and we could talk about the psychological component mm -hmm. to that all you want, but the bottom line is you don't have very good dietary intake. It's hard to make big pieces into little pieces. Mm -hmm. And any attempt to do so on the human gums, if the teeth are gone, will cause soreness, abrasions, lacerations, potential infections. Mm -hmm. It's a spiral downhill. It's okay to miss a tooth here or a tooth there, but if you start missing big blocks of teeth, it's gonna compromise your life, mm -hmm. not only from a quality of life standpoint, but also potential health standpoint. Mm -hmm. A lot to listen to here, Mark. You know, oh yeah, listeners need to listen to this a couple times just to take mm -hmm. some notes. And when we post this on the podcast, I'll try to list those things so mm -hmm. they can have the, that information there. But it's important to, especially for young parents, mm -hmm. to have that information. If you're just floating through, you're in college or whatever, midlife, or as you're getting older, to have accurate information about yeah. uh, how to take care of your teeth. The advancements that have been made since when I was a young kid to today in dentistry is amazing. I remember going to the dentist and they had that, I don't know what it is, a wire, a string that went up and around and over. And my dentist, even he had names for some, he had a bump, bump, sugarty lump drill that he would use yeah. on my Woody teeth. Woodpecker was a big Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they'd <laughs> hang it on there and it'd, be, it'd just be spinning and... It's, it was a scary thing then, and now it's a little bit better. <laughs> well, yeah, no, no wonder people don't like us. I know. When you well, look yeah. back at some of these things that were out there, they were borderline barbaric. Right. And that's the 1960s you're talking about Correct. probably. yes. Dial it back to 1920s no. or 1930s. It's amazing. I and read a little on that barbers used to pull teeth and be dentists. <laughs> Blacksmiths. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. You go back to the Civil War, yeah. That's wow. very, very true. Wow. But you're right. I'll tell you the technologies that – even since I've graduated, and I've been out of school now 42 years, but the things that – Leaps and bounds. That, that I see, yeah. if you would have told me in 1981 we were going to be doing 
whatever it is, technologically wise, I probably would have looked at you like you had three heads. Yeah. I would not have believed it. Yeah. But you talk about progress in one generation, mm-hmm. and that is oh, yeah. a tremendous jump from the generation before. My parents both lost about half their teeth. Yeah. They were wearing prosthesis. You go back to my grandparents, they hardly had any teeth. Mm-hmm. And now we can take very sick teeth and save them for a very long period of time right. with technologies that were only really you'd only dream about i'm a testament to that yeah it's amazing yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and speaking of which hereditary w hereditary what does heredity have to play in what you got in your mouth well it's huge obviously you can be dealt some bad cards teeth that for whatever reason are structurally weak saliva that is unfavorable and breeds Mm. bacteria you could go down a list of things But the main objective of a dentist is to try to garner enough information when they see a patient for the first time and determine if there is genetic factors there and then try to outline a plan Mm. that can try to offset that as much as reasonably medically possible. Wow. All right. This has been great information. We haven't even gone into whitening teeth. So uh, there's so much. Yeah. (laughs) Are those whitening strips keeping them on? Oh, don't even go down that road. I know. There's so much. We have to have him back. We do. Like we do. Next well, week. I'd be happy to come back. Next week. Every six months, we're going to have you back. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> for, for cleaning. <laughs> it, it would be an honor. It would. That's right. Yeah, we really do. We've been talking to uh, Dr. Charles Fusner. He's a dentist in St. Louis County, and uh, he's also associate professor at A.T. Still University. Chuck, thanks for coming in. Thank Appreciate you, Mark. Thank yeah. you. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It really has been. There's, Like I said, there's a lot of questions I have for you, but there's just no time. We've run out of time. Goes the, quick. The hour has gone really fast. So it our really word of the day, folks, relates very similar. It's viricide. Viricide. Let me think now. Viricide. Okay, now I'm going to give you a, a has clue. has to do with a virus, I would think. Yes. Okay. Herbicide. An herbicide. An herbicide. What does an herbicide do? That's to kill critters or bugs. Right. Okay, yeah, so bugs. take virucide. Viricide. It, what does it do? I don't know. <laughs> it, it kills viruses. Oh, a viricide. A viricide. Viricide. A, give me an example. Can you give me an example of one? No. Uh, <laughs> Lysol. Ooh, Ooh, yeah. There oh, you go. Mr. Clean. Lysol will kill 99.9% of the viruses wow. upon contact, leaving the 0.1% of the meanest, nastiest viruses out there for that'll get you. Wow. So <laughs> you got to take some of this with a grain of salt. Yeah, right. Yeah. I would say there so. There you go. Yeah. All right. A couple funnies because I know we have a little bit of time here. A slice of apple pie in Jamaica is two dollars. Mm-hmm. It is two dollars and fifty cents in the Bahamas. These are the pirates of the Caribbean. Why does he do this, Doc? I, I actually got it. Did you really? Yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it wasn't bad. <laughs> we're, kids nowadays are spoiled because we were really stressed when we were kids. Because mm. when you missed a TV show, you missed it forever. Mm. You couldn't go back and look at it again. No. So you know a pair of pliers, you know, you, yeah. the adjustable uh-huh, ones? Uh-huh. If one pliers is a pair of pliers, then what are two pliers? Ooh. It's really bad stuff. I don't know. What, okay. Why couldn't the green pepper practice archery? I don't know. Because it didn't habanero. Wow. Wow. Arnold, stop by your head. <laughs>
He's on a roll. Let him go. <laughs> no, 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 no. Studies show that the most expensive vehicle to operate is a Costco shopping cart. Ah, I love that. That's good. That's true. Okay, that's true. She asked for a gift that can last the rest of the year, uh-huh. so I gave her a calendar. Stay tuned for more relationship advice, folks. <laughs> oh, coming from you, too. Oh, oh Let's see All here. Right. Uh, can I tell you... Uh, I have a day. Today is National Spoil Your Dog Day. Ooh, you have a dog. You I should do. spoil your dog. You get spoiled every day. This is my favorite day. Today is National Lazy Day. Ooh. Day you should be lazy. Yeah. Don't you like being lazy? I'm, yeah. So it's good yeah, to it's be good lazy, lazy once in a while. I agree with that. Yeah. It is good to be yeah. lazy once in a while. Yep. I would agree. Humans are the only species that would cut down trees, make paper out of them, and then write, save the trees on it. <laughs> As you get older, you have to stay positive. The other day, I fell down the stairs. Instead of getting upset, I just thought, wow, that's the fastest I've moved in years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no more, please. Do no more. One? That's all for this hour, folks. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Don't forget, when the Martians invade, there's only one race, the human race. And every one of us have different characteristics and is uniquely valuable. St. Louis in Tune is a production of Motif Media Group and the U.S. Radio Network. For St. Louis in Tune, co-host Mark Langston, I'm Arnold Stricker. Remember to walk worthy and let your light shine. <laughs>